HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com, bringing you the freshest radio in Brooklyn since 2009. Hear directly from chefs to farmers, artists to architects, authors to brewers, and everyone in between. Check out all of our shows on our website or by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes store. Hello, Greenhorns. This is Severin, and this is Greenhorn Radio. And we are happy because the world is full of strong young farmers, and many numbers of them I have recently been meeting. And one of the new ones is Ben Abel from Kentucky. How you doing? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing great, too. And uh, it's nice and sunny. How's the weather where you are? Beautiful. The springtime is uh, in the air. There's something about spring every time. I'm just very happy about many of the decisions that I make that have to do with the outdoor world. Absolutely. It's awesome. All right, now... Let's start from the beginning. Um, tell us about Lexington, Kentucky, and the, the history of agriculture there. One thing I've heard a lot of is horses from Lexington, Kentucky, are some of the best in the world. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Lexington, is, Fayette County, is known as the horse capital of the world, and, and maybe probably rightly so. We uh, have an enormous presence. The thoroughbred industry has an enormous presence here, and then other horse industries do as well. The standard bread and, and other horse, horses as well kind of dot the landscape all around some of the storied uh, horse farms in the world all around central Kentucky. It's kind of unique to Fayette County, Woodford County, Bourbon County, um, kind of the center of horse country, what we call, and the kind of the general non-horse farm ag landscape in central Kentucky is historically uh, tobacco and beef cattle are kind of the main the main cash crops in, in our area. And um, one thing people are in the north usually not aware of is that the tobacco industry has trend- undergone a major transformation. Um, in yeah, the you're right, yeah. Will you give a little synopsis yeah, the, of that? Sure, yeah. Um, I'm no expert, but essentially in the as, as part of the in similar time frame as the New Deal legislation, farm support programs that passed during that, there's a federal tobacco program that started and the tobacco program was essentially a quota quoted price support system for farmers. So farmers were allotted quotas guaranteed a, a particular price for the crop, um, and of course the quota system helped 
uh, ensure that that could be guaranteed by loaning supply. And so what the quota system did in Kentucky is it ensured that, that ensured the survival of the small family farm, essentially. And Kentucky has the, you know, is the fourth highest number of farms in the country, despite being a geographically not that large of a state. Um, and part of that, large, uh, largely due to the federal tobacco program, because it gave every farm a base of support. Every farm that had a tobacco quota knew every year they had at least this much income if they produced a good crop that would be guaranteed. Um, that, that program ended uh, in 2001 or 2002, I believe, um, off the top of my head. And since the program has ended, um, it's been a time of transition for Kentucky agriculture. Um, one thing that I'll mention briefly is that that makes Kentucky a really uh, unique state um, is in part part of that transition, the end of the federal tobacco program, the tobacco buyout, as it's known. Um, there, at that same time, there's also something called the Master Settlement Agreement, which was an agreement between the attorney generals of the 46 or 48 states and the major tobacco companies. And that agreement was essentially to pay for Medicaid costs associated with uh, tobacco, uh, with cigarette use. Kentucky is unique because Kentucky is the only state that took that money and said, we're going to dedicate it to transitioning our ag economy, to diversifying our ag economy. And uh, Kentucky has set aside 50% of that money every, every year, that allotment. Uh, that goes directly uh, to um, low-interest loans, grants, et cetera, and, and other programs to support diversifying Kentucky's ag economy. So as a, as a regional um, focus, the agricultural economy has shifted away from tobacco and into other crops, beef and corn, um, other things. And I know in North Carolina there's been really cool things like um, goat dairies and meat goats and um, you know, obviously, diversified vegetable production. A lot of people right. who have the equipment to grow tobacco can grow tomatoes and other right. uh, horticultural crops with the same equipment. But, but also as an example of uh, a pointing pointing the agricultural system in a different direction and then incenting uh, production with grants, programs, loans, and um, extension support. To make that movement, and and of course, the argument could be made that we need to do that on a national scale, away from highly chemically intensive monocultures of corn and soybeans, and towards more regional self-reliance. That would be sure, a very political I, thing I, to suggest, of course. <laughs> well, I think it is, and it isn't. I mean, I think it all depends on the, the tone and the phrasing. I think uh, you know, I don't think there's any. Uh, disagreement that especially in particular states um, where the landscape is not conducive to um, whether however you feel about the sustainability of, of modern corn production uh, it, it you know you can most people can agree that certain landscapes are more conducive to it than others and you know Kentucky and again part of why we have so many small family farms is because our landscape is is more conducive to those style farms uh, average farm size in Kentucky is about 150 acres and farms those size are, are not 155 acres generally they're more lend themselves more to diversified operations and you know people realize too here because they have the kind of the taste of the tobacco program still in their mouth uh, which was such a supportive wonderful program for so many farms, but it became obvious that for farms that have become too tobacco dependent, that there hasn't been a, that, you know, the operations were not diversified and that, that led to their kind of business model not being sustainable. Well, luckily, 
the last few years, you know, Kentucky's tobacco, classic tobacco farms are often coupled with a beef, beef cattle operation. And, and lucky, luckily the last several years, uh, beef cattle beef. prices have been very, have been very high. So that's, that's helped people. But despite that, you're right. I mean, the, the transition that is going on, diversification, support to the extension network, state, state loan programs, it's all, it's all helping foster that transition. And there's no less energy for that now than there has been. And, you know, just one more little thing before we change the subject and talk more about the University of Kentucky and your own farming, um, the, the sustainable ag that's going on there is uh, I was in a really interesting conversation yesterday um, with a libertarian man. It was really fun. And talking about, you know, taking the, taking the subsidy programs uh, away you know, from American agriculture, and I had just been up up to my eyeballs in history, uh, and was reading about this something called the Bounty Program, that was hmm. established at the very beginning, like Jamestown Colony, where the English kind of paradigm, the well, the British Empire paradigm of around colonial um, ag production, incented the production of indigo, cotton, tobacco, etc., and there was a whole system of rewards at every level um, based on quotas that were established by the British Empire. And so in that sense, yes, you know, the agricultural and the energy economies um, in the United States are um, profoundly skewed by the, the policy of incenting certain kinds of production over others. But, um, in fact, it has, n- has, never been, uh, has never been without that manipulation. Cool. Yeah, it's very that's very interesting, and certainly, I mean, I think, you know, in some instances, such as the tobacco program, that there was elements of that 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 were very good for farmers and and for maintaining those small family farms, but uh, but the incentives also maybe le- did end up leading to an over dependence on on a particular uh, crop, and unfortunately, a crop that uh, is is a is a crop that it's hard to have much. Uh, much pride in, <laughs> yeah, pride in the production and the quality you grow, but that you all know where it's going, and 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 the end result is is something that that's you know not not perhaps as life giving as growing uh, good good vegetables and things like this. Yeah, it's hard to feel love for tobacco. For tobacco. <laughs> sure. um, so okay, so that was a fun little divergence into the realms of history, and <laughs> uh, but <laughs> and I can't ever help myself. But here now we we have. Um, the world in Kentucky, which is just full of 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 great movement forward. Um, do you want to lay out a little bit of the program you're running at the university, and then through the um, Ag Legacy program? Okay, yeah, great. I'll I'll uh, briefly go over each. So wh- what I do now uh, at the University of Kentucky, I work as the organic farm manager um, at the Horticulture Research Farm. Uh, university established an organic research unit about eight years ago, and the reason they did this was just because they saw that there is an increasing need to address the the issues facing cons- both consumers and producers of organic foods and to begin extension uh, research and education efforts uh, in relation to organic production. Um, UK is a land-grant institution, so a core part of our mission is, is doing land, land-based uh, research, agricultural research on, on the Commonwealth's needs. So they kind of identified organic uh, agriculture as, as an area that the college was not addressing, but that they needed to, and they established this organic research unit. Uh, we started off with 11 acres, now we're up to 25 
Uh, we operate uh, about 12 of that is, is goes to grant-funded research where we, we do all sorts of production, organic systems exper- uh, experiments. And then the other half of it, roughly half of it, goes to a CSA program. So we have a community-supported agriculture program that we use as both an extension tool and an education tool. Um, students in our sustainable ag degree program work on the farm. They have to complete 250 hours in a, in a summer internship where they get hands-on experience producing and marketing uh, organic crops. They're not just learning about sustainable ag in the classroom, but also in the field in a program that we very much strive to make a model farm, make a realistic uh, replication of a, of, a, of a farm. All our production expenses and salary expenses are paid for by revenue generated through the CSA. So while we do have advantages that other farmers uh, certainly do not, um, we do strive hard to make it a realistic farming operation. So that's been a great program to be involved with. We, we do tours for literally hundreds and hundreds of people every year, um, extension agents, interested farmers, consumers, students, all get involved in the farm and we're all learning a lot more about uh, marketing models like CSA, organic production, vegetable production in general. So it's been a great program that the university has, has supported. Um, the Department of Horticulture, which is uh, the host of the Sustainable Ag Program, has been really supportive of it and it's, it's generated a lot of good energy about the potential for um, organic crop production in, in Kentucky. So it's, it's a great program and it's moving, continuing to move forward. Um, sure. So that kind of relates Heaven. to the other what, thing. What a heavenly thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a great program, like I said, and, and and we constantly strive to be responsive to growers' needs. It's while it, it, we have generated, or while we have, you know, garnered great support from the university, we've still, the last several years, been in a t- time of uh, really tight, really tight budgets. And so, um, you know, our resources are limited, but hopefully as we move forward and, and continue to get more support and more grant funding, we can continue and expand our outreach efforts and really get the word out more about what we're doing and, again, be more responsive to, um, or be as responsive as possible to growers' needs um, and, addressing, and, and addressing the issues facing organic growers in Kentucky. So it's, it's, it's been a great program to be a part of. And, you know, speaking relates, from the perspective of, uh, you know, of many young farmers... Um, in the network who have expressed frustration when they, when they approach uh, Extension about organic practices and are searching for advice and counsel, you know, organic pest management, fertility management, markets, budgets, enterprise right. budgets, all that kind of stuff. Um, when you are dealing with uh, an agency that has very little experience, let alone kind of practical exposure to um, the kinds of farming that we're engaged in, it can be pretty frustrating, and you stop asking for help. Sure, and sure, so you're absolutely see, right. To see the opposite where, you know, like not only is the training there, but then there's also the um, the physical evidence of commitment on the behalf sure. of the university's part. You know, sure. that's when you start wanting to stand up and cheer. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. And and not to create a... I mean, while I do work for the university and I'm, and I'm proud of the work we're doing, it doesn't mean that... that uh, uh, this is any sort of uh, alternative agriculture uh, paradise down here. You know, we do still face challenges and concerns, but like you said, one of the biggest uh, part of what's been so great about having the farm, um, and that kind of was our starting point. You know, we didn't start off, or the university kind of didn't start off by mandating or, or suggesting or whatever that that extension or, or research m- move towards organic. And, and, 
you know, as a whole, it certainly isn't that way now. But, but you know, the first thing they did was set up this farm, and the reason the farm has been so effective is because it has created a visual component, I think, to to organic agriculture. And and people that visit, other whether it's researchers or extension agents or farmers, may may have a preconceived notion of what organic ag is supposed to look like or what they've been told it will look like. And then they visit the farm and they see the quality of our produce, they see our weed-free fields, they see our lack of, you know, it's not run over with disease and, and pests and everything. And, and they say, wow, organic agriculture can work. And, and so that's really, I think, been the, the greatest, uh, you know, one of the greatest benefits of having the farm is because it's been a visual teaching tool, uh, and people can actually see the progress. They can see the benefit or the potential of organic agriculture in Kentucky when they visit the farm, and 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 yeah, and that's a big part of it. And then extension agents visit; they go into their counties, and maybe before they thought organic was a joke, but maybe now they have a slightly different, uh, a different vision, and they and and so they become interested in it. You know, one thing about extension is. Is uh, extension is there to serve the needs of the populace, to serve the needs of growers and and, and consumers, et cetera, depending on the program. And 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 so, I always urge people: well, if their extension agent doesn't have information, you know, uh, pertaining to what they're looking for, we'll, we'll just push them, push them harder. You know, ask them, say it's say it's what you need. You know, ask them if they can look and see if this, the, uh, the the university has any information on these. And, and in my experience, extension agents are are really eager to. Um, to help out their, the, the growers in their area. Sure, some of them do have kind of preconceived notions and, and their own opinions, but it, overall, um, I think extension can, can be very responsive uh, to growers' needs. We just got to keep kind of urging them <laughs> to, to, to do so. so well, yeah. you know, the other part of, the other part of this project and, and having you all doing the work and is showing that people who do the work can also do the thinking, and people who do the thinking can right. also do the work. And that there's fluidity, sure, and and uh, it's not a segregation of, of you know we do the we have the ideas and you implement, which is a kind of a more of a machine model, but that you know agriculture requires observation, manipulation, and per, you know perception and intellect, and that that that's the kind of farming that will bring us forward. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So now yeah. that that's University of Kentucky, and now we have the Ag Legacy Program. Right, yeah. So you asked about the uh, Ag Legacy Program. It all, the great thing about all these, these things is there's is, there's certainly overlap. And with the university program, we're constantly involved with young, young or with students that are interested in sustainable agriculture, organic farming, et cetera. And, and you're constantly exposed, whether it's through students or on the university or people coming for tours or simply writing you to ask questions. Um, Constantly exposed to this enormous movement of young farmers that are uh, interested in farming, <laughs> or of young people that are interested in farming. So um, that exposure and uh, uh, is is exciting because it, it, there is a, a huge movement of young people, whether or not they came from a farming background, and often they did not, that are interested in either making farming a source of their primary income or making it a big part of their life. And we're, we're constantly exposed to that um, at UK and then, as you mentioned, in the Ag Legacy Initiative. The Ag Legacy Group is, a, is kind of a, a project started by a grassroots organization here in Kentucky called Community Farm Alliance. And Community Farm Alliance has been around since the 1985 and was started kind of as a response to the farm crisis. And the group has grown and, and, and changed over the years, but they've always stayed kind of to their core, to their core mission, which is essentially to uh, 
make sure there's a, pr- a place for prosperous family scale agriculture in the, in the Commonwealth. And I think uh, there a lot of us young folks that were involved in the organization um, kind of started this uh, little subset, little group within it, uh, to specifically address the needs of young and beginning farmers. Um, because we thought that it would be great if we could have our own space, our own forum, to just flush out what are the issues, what are our challenges, you know, what 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 are we having trouble with, what what would help us along our along our uh, you know along the way, and uh, CFA is very excited about this because, like I said, it's it's kind of core to their to their mission. Um, we call it the Ag Legacy Initiative because it's a. It's not just about young and beginning farmers. It's also about uh, retiring farmers. It's about people that have land that don't know what to do with it or would like to see something else done with it. Um, so really what the group is all about is developing these pathways to the land, um, both by making connections with landowners um, uh, uh, to kind of develop different uh, it's leasing or ownership agreements. It's about what are the hurdles facing young, young beginning farmers uh, that – that we can, that we need to address. So we're really just getting started. You know, it was about over a year ago when we first started uh, getting together, but we've got over 80 people on our statewide email list, um, mainly young farmers, but also a lot of supporters. Um, So it's something that we really hope to generate more energy with this year and, and, and just create a forum where we can really address our issues, come up with creative responses, and then uh, use the backing of a, of a great group like Community Farm Alliance to kind of generate a grassroots movement to, you know, make changes or, or promote programs that would be beneficial to young farmers or identify uh, roadblocks that we can maybe get removed. So, and, perhaps so really, even, and perhaps even put on a suit, get on a plane, and come testify in D.C. occasionally. Yeah, sure, absolutely, and it's you know a big part of what CFA does uh, here in Kentucky is lobby the state legislature with different issues, and and they're you know and and that would also be something they do. And we've we've gotten uh, young farmers, including myself, up up on the hill, up in front of uh, various committees, testifying before our, our state legislators. And and in Kentucky, the legis the you know it's not perfect, but they are very responsive to. Uh, the needs of the needs of farmers, and so it's a, an exciting opportunity. Um, I think to really, we, we have an exciting opportunity to really forward the calls of young farmers in the state. You know, it's I mean, a very this inspiring is the thing you keep coming back to. It's like, man, what a hard amount of work and what a big amount of job, and holy smokes, how are we going to do it? But, but it, man, is it exciting? Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's very exciting, especially. Uh, Especially being around young farmers uh, and beginning farmers, whether or not, you know, one thing that's neat about the U.K. program is a lot of our beginning farmers, or you could even say they're young farmers because they're just getting started, they're young in farming, um, have been non-traditional students or or non-traditional folks, folks that have had a career elsewhere but that uh, aren't aren't inspired by it anymore or aren't motivated by it anymore, and so we're looking to agriculture to kind of be their second career. We've had had loads of students just like that, and, and... people like that involved in the Ag Legacy Initiative. So well, I'm waiting for them to start their own organization because they keep bothering me. They email me every week, these people, and they say, how come you say young farmers all the time? <laughs> and I say, well, how come you guys don't start your own damn group? Well, you had to, <laughs> no, no, you no had I'm to, just kidding. I would like them yeah, you to had include to it also in our category. What? Yeah. I said, well, you had to pick an ac- acronym, and 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 it's 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 understood. I think it's included. It's a lot of the same issues, but you know, and and it's it is a challenge to always try to. 
include everybody. But but what's you know, I found that this whole movement of young farmers, the beginning farmers, is very inclusive because there's so much passion. People are so interested doing so so committed to what they're doing that um, I think there's a real willingness to work together and uh, to find our find solutions to the issues we're facing. So it's it's a very exciting uh, movement to be a part of. Well, Ben Abel, you have my vote. Great. So, so here's Excellent. the question. Those people who are considering moving to Kentucky and starting to farm immediately, uh, what sectors of the, food, of the food system down there are as yet underdeveloped? Where is their opportunity? Um, and what do you see on the horizon for Kentucky yeah. uh, in terms of developing, developing further along our, along our preferred trajectory? Right, yeah. Well, that's a great question. Um, yeah, despite maybe what some stereotypes may say, Kentucky is a very welcoming place and very welcoming to, to outsiders. And so I, I definitely encourage people who, who would love to be in a, a beautiful state that's full of great family farms and, and an otherwise beautiful landscape and nice people to, to give Kentucky a try. You know, I'm I'm of the strong belief that Right now, the local foods movement and the market for local foods for uh, for local agriculture is is additive. I don't think that we're going to limit each other's capacity. You know, there is farmers markets are booming in Kentucky. CSAs are taking off. Restaurants all over the place are buying local and and, and advertising it like like crazy. Um, universities, other other big institutions are starting to buy local. Um, I, I don't think that there is that we're out competing each other <laughs> anytime soon. I think the more presence of people of creative food entrepreneurs, of creative ag entrepreneurs, I think the more of those we have, the more it helps all of us along. Um, so you know, I think I think there's every aspect can be added to whether you're looking to do farmers markets or CSAs or or wholesale uh, production um, to, to larger institutions. It's it's all right now the demand far exceeds the supply, and, and, and so I, I think it's something that every, and, and of course, you know, that doesn't mean everybody that, that, that tries it is successful, because there is a lot of challenges, but if you can find your niche, you can find the right market, um, you can handle the production side, uh, I think that, uh, I think that Kentucky has a lot to offer. Well, let's leave it there. We don't have anything planned yet for Kentucky, but I feel like we need to change that. We being Green Farms yeah. National Young Farmer Coalition, I think we may need to come to the next meeting of this Ag Legacy program and hear what y'all are saying. I think that'd be great if we could plan a joint a, a joint event or joint gathering. Um, you know, our, our, so far we our, all our gatherings have been kind of a mix of business and and uh, and kind of camaraderie, and which is I think uh, uh, important. You know, it's about maybe building we could bring the beer. Yeah, sure. You, you, you absolutely could. We'd love that. Um, you can. We have some great local breweries around. You can stop there and and, and pick up some and and he- head our way. But yeah, I think we'll look to. I think we're looking to do a spring event, maybe a spring equinox uh, event, something like that. And and uh, we'd love to uh, team up with you all and bring some of that national energy down here. Well, um, I'd just like to say uh, this is a great pleasure. You've been you've been listening to Ben Abel, very able and been doing it for long enough to know what he's talking about, down in the University of Kentucky, Lexington, Kentucky, finest place for thoroughbreds in America, and a fine place for young farmers. This is Greenhorn Radio. Thank you, Ben. Thank you. Good luck. Good luck to you. Bye-bye, everyone. See you at the next thing. Bye-bye. 
Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.